This broadcast is brought to you by Integrity Staffing Solutions. At Integrity, we're passionate about connecting great talent with great companies across North America. For more information on how our custom, flexible workforce solutions can help solve your biggest challenges, visit us online at integritystaffing.com. We're now listening to HR Liftoff in three, This is your host, Megan Couch. We are here at HR Liftoff, and our guest today is Janelle DeRay with JAG. Welcome. Thank you. It's great to be with you, Megan. So for those that don't know, um, I am familiar with JAG, so is our organization, but can you tell our listeners um, exactly what JAG is and explain a little bit about it? Absolutely. So Jobs for America's graduates is an incredible organization. I've been with um, JAG now for eight years as, and uh, as of this year, serving as executive vice president. And, you know, we, we do a lot of great things for young people that are, they're just incredible. So let me talk a little bit about what we do. So we're a national nonprofit. We've been around actually for 40 years. So we like to say, yeah, we're America's best kept secret, but we're working on that because we don't. We're working on it right now. This will not be a secret. And I read (laughs) 1.4 million strong. So it's not too much of a secret. Yeah. That's amazing. Young people have gone through the program and we're currently in 39 states operating in about 1,450 communities. And in this school year, this tumultuous school year, about 76,000 young people, youth and young adults are in the program. So we have a really far reach and work with these students primarily in school settings. And we focus on delivering employability skills, competencies, support services, really a holistic approach. And our students achieve a 90% plus graduation rate year over year. In fact, in the, for the class of 2019, it was uh, about 96%. And then we stay with them for a full year after they graduate. And over 80% of them are in what we call positive outcomes. So they're employed, they're in post-secondary education, and for many of them, a combination of those two. So those are all amazing things. And I think that the, hopefully the secret will not be the best kept, and especially with the population that you have. But can you describe some of the young people that you serve? Because I think folks are thinking, well, yes, of course, this sounds amazing. Why might I not know about it? Like, and who, who would they possibly know within their circle or a peripheral circle that you might even be working with? Yeah, good question. So they, when JAG was created, Actually, in Delaware, which is, I know is your home, too. Shout out to Delaware. Shout out to the <laughs> Blue Hens. Whoop, whoop. Yeah. <laughs> so, There's four people listening that are like, oh, Delaware. Okay. <laughs> We're no longer America's best kept secret either, Delaware. But, um, so when the program was launched, the governor at the time, Governor Pete DuPont, um, looked at my boss, who is the founder of JAG, who at that time was education policy advisor for the governor, and he said, we can do better by the state of Delaware. There was a lot of young people who were not completing high school and subsequently not getting into gainful employment. So Jobs for Delaware Graduates was born specifically to reach those young people who were not um, in the Glee Club, if that's still a thing, you know, in other organizations like Boys and Girls Clubs, they were just not connected. 
So those are the students that we target, we reach out to and say, come join JAG. We want to support you. We want you to be you. And then um, whatever it is, if it's economic, if it's environmental, if it's academic challenges that those young people are facing, we will help them work through that. But we also are a trauma-informed organization. So we work with young people understanding that things may be happening outside of the classroom that are preventing you from coming in. And we're going to be there for you. We're going to work through that. But then let's focus on these employability skills, competencies, because a lot of our kids, a lot of our young people, they don't, number one, they don't know if they're going to graduate from high school. So they typically think, I'm just going to work. I just need to make some money. So the jobs being our first name, that really, I think, helps them take a close look at us. And then once they get into the program, they meet what we call our JAG specialist, the teacher. Um, they meet their peers. They become um, really a family, a support system, and then focused on their future and what they want to do afterwards. So we really think about not just that first job, but how do we support them to make sure that they advance in a career. So those are the young people we serve. So do you see specific challenges when you're working with these kids? Are there some that are more, I'd say, mainstream than others? Yeah, we have, you know, the model is so thorough. So we have um, specifications in terms of where they are in uh, the quartile of their class. So we really focus on that bottom quartile. Um, but we have, you know, kids who are from high income families as well, who may be dealing with any host of issues in terms of addiction and things like that. So um, we do find that a lot of our students have not had that adult mentor in their life and mm. are, really, you know, really navigating the world on their own. And when you talk to some of our, our kids, they, they've experienced much more than you and I, Megan, probably have our entire lives in terms of navigating, um, navigating homelessness and navigating um, issues in their home. A lot of our young people are the adults. They could be 16 years old and caring for their young, younger siblings. But then we have those stories of resilience and um, their their connection with the specialist and understanding like, yes, I need to graduate from high school. I don't wanna be a statistic. And not only that, but I'm engaging with employers like Integrity Staffing Solutions mm -hmm. to help us see the potential for employment in my own communities and accelerate on that job pathway. So we help them realize their, their potential. They always had it. We're just helping them to make the right connections so they can achieve those dreams. So we, and I say we, let me define we, a lot of organizations and including integrity, we talk a lot about what we hire for. And I always like to say, or I'll speak for myself, hire for grit and hire mm -hmm. for resilience, where I think sometimes it's a tagline, <clears throat> excuse me, tagline, and a lot of people say that, but I will take somebody who's worked in restaurants or customer service positions because they know how to interact and because they have dealt with the public and um, to a certain degree have earned some of that resilience I think that a lot of folks might not necessarily possess. Uh, and I think with partnerships that you have and especially our partnership with you, I think we can see that line. There are, uh, I think, a lot of instances where I can't, you can't, a lot of other people listening would not be able to relate to because they've had to create such a resilient attitude anyway. 
and not just related to work because of their own personal circumstances. Uh, and one thing that I was reading was that I, there's, there's some data, some recent national data that we're at a growing risk of losing part of this generation. I think it's heartbreaking uh, to think that there's so much potential for this generation, regardless of, I think there's a lot of, you know, catchy articles that people write, but uh, it's, you know, they've, I've read articles too, where it's related to like, is this the new baby boomer generation and like what they're learning kind of while they're growing up related to resilient skills. But how are we at risk of losing part of this generation? And you know, I'll take that, that first question first, because I think this is a bigger question than that. Yeah, so we are, we are worried. I'm not going to lie. So I think I mentioned before, we follow up with students for a full year after they graduate. So when COVID hit in March, the, we were getting towards the tail end of follow-up services for our class of 2019 graduates. And we saw, like the rest of the nation, the unemployment rates for our young people spike. I mean, they went to about 30 some percent, just like I think most of the nation did at that time. Right. And then, then we, our specialists who are following up are doing so in every way that they can. And then we also incorporated some metrics to make sure that we could track in real time the students and their families who had experienced reduced hours and or lost their jobs. But through the connection of the specialists, that unemployment rate for JAG youth has gone back down to about 11.4%. And if you look at the national data for the same age group, it's still hovering at about 30%. So we are worried, but we are also well aware of our specialist dedication to the young people who have gone through JAG. And, you know, we're just, we're navigating this like the rest of the country. And for the class of 2020, those who graduated in this weird year, they are now in the follow-up services. So we are, we are bracing for a tougher time for our young people and just are so thankful for our specialist dedication. And we are doing more strategic and feverish, wrong word to use right now, outreach. Understood to, though, yeah. <laughs> yeah. To employers who are hiring to make sure that we're promoting all opportunities to our students who are struggling in this new economic and economic environment and labor market. And for those, I think of young people who don't have that support system, who don't have JAG, who are now trying to enter the workforce. And we do have a real risk, I think. Um, and if we look at the data from the last recession, 2008 and 2010, it was young people who never fully bounced back. And those who are in the lower economic tiers that never bounce back. And you're already beginning to see some of that data. I saw something come through this morning on my phone and it said the, the recent recovery, which is within the last couple of months, the, those from the bottom economic tier are not experiencing that recovery. And that is all of America needs to be worried about that and learn from our experiences 10 years ago to make sure that we are we are supporting people to be sure that they're not left behind. Well, and I think it was the, the Fed Reserve Chairman, Jerome Powell had noted that 40% of households earning 40,000 or less lost their jobs in March. Yeah. 
there you go. And yes, then- I think that started what you're you're talking about and the impacted families, and and I also want to ask with so there's the impact of the pandemic, but are you also seeing an impact from the systemic racism, the outcries that have have shaken 2020 as well? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, 57 percent of the young people we serve identify as students of color. And when George Floyd was killed, we knew these conversations were happening in our classrooms. And I remember in particular, we got um, on Instagram, I think it was a direct message. And it was a, a young man who had gone through JAG a few years before. And he said, as an African American gay man, I know that JAG supports me and helped me. So what are we doing about this? As in, as, what is JAG National doing about this? And we have, um, I'm really excited about um, some of the work that we are doing and just talking with our students, learning from our specialists across the country, what's going on in the classrooms and how can we support? And really what came back was we need to put our youth at the center of this and provide that platform for them to express their values and their belief in terms of equity and equality and what we need to see in America. So we, uh, I, we were just talking about this yesterday. I cannot believe how fast our team has worked this year and <laughs> what everyone has been navigating. But um, in what started as just a conversation and really came from a specialist in Illinois, we uh, now launched officially last month the Love Project, which is lifting our voices for equity. So uh, the specialist in working with her students in the classroom created a framework for a project. We work through project-based learning. And the driving question that we are asking our students is, what is an inequity you see in your community and how would you like to use your voice to make positive change? And we are just starting to, we're gonna offer micro grants to our, our programs across the country. Intercontinental Hotels Group IHG is providing that funding to provide those seed grants. And we're, we're going to see what comes from our, our students across the country and how they are working throughout this school year to make positive change. All the while, implemented these em- employability skills competencies. So we're still you know, staying true to the J model, but what a beautiful way for them to learn that and make impact. So I will say I love the Love Project, and I think for those listening, uh, remember this term, and we'll recap with some notes also in the podcast, but, and is it, would I be correct in assuming that this is also to combat the increase in truancy levels, I would say, in the classroom, because data has shown that truancy has gone up, um, and especially if it's an already vulnerable population, you know, that, that this is really trying to get at the root and hear from the voice of those that are actually feeling impacted. Thanks for tuning in to HR Liftoff. Did you know that cats have over a hundred vocal cords? Makes sense considering my cat keeps meowing every time I try to record this commercial break. Now back to the show. Yes, yeah. Uh, In the spring semester of 2020, we saw those truancy rates spike for kids who were struggling and all of a sudden they go virtual completely. It's hard to I mean, it's hard to get them to come into the building and now to navigate and log in. I mean, we just saw those spike and time will tell what this fall semester is looking like. But by 
reaching, hopefully by reaching young people and saying, we want to talk about things that are impacting you in your day-to-day life, impacting your family. And we want to put you at the center of it. We are, we want them, we, we hope that it will be another incentive and a reason to participate in classes because this is, we want to help you. And we recognize that you have the power here. Well, and I think for, for employers that are listening, you know, it's a standard question to say, you know, are there folks that we are overlooking? Are there groups of people that we are not tapping into? And I think there's a real dichotomy at this point because you see an unemployment rate that is higher. You know, it's recession level. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we also know that there's so many employers that have jobs available. And there's a bunch of different variables that go into it along with stimulus packages and then what's going to happen. And that could be a whole other podcast of what's going to happen, you know, with the upcoming election. So we won't touch that. Um, I just think factually there's so many different pieces to it and it's compounded what is already a potentially difficult situation for a potential, you know, JAG participant where it's, you know, if, if the parent or parents had lost a position and then stimulus has run out and then they're also looking as well. But I think a lot of the employers are still thinking like, I have some jobs available. And I'll, I'll tell you from our perspective, what we're saying is that because of what's occurring, whether it's hybrid learning or virtual learning, you know, depending on the age of children, can parents actually take positions that are even available? Is that even a possibility, especially when they're, you know, more than part-time still having to kind of assist with kids at home. Um, So I think employers really need to kind of look at the fact of what schedules are being offered, you know, and it's not always just about the pay rate. You know, of course, that's a big part of it, but is it feasible? And by the time they're able to get to work and are there transportation resources available? And there's all those pieces to it. But for, for JAG, are there specific fields or are you looking at, you running the gamut of kind of where you're helping students to get into. Cause I think employers are probably at this point thinking like, how do I participate? How do I help with this? What can not just for being a good person or, you know, company, but you know, realistically, how do I get into this so they can make a difference and also make a difference for, for kids that are participating. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And before I answer that, just something that, I mean, you got to this whole topic of, I mean, America really has to come together to solve for this because Agreed. of all the issues, um, jobs, school at home. And one piece that I keep thinking of from the spring semester is a lot of our middle school students turned into parents because their parents were working and now they're the oldest at home. And they're, we had specialists saying that I have middle school students that would have to leave my class virtually to go take care of their baby brother and sister. I mean, just thinking about that for a second, mm. this demonstrates the, I mean, the, the, the rug has been pulled out from underneath so many families. So there's just that, that I want to- It demonstrates the reality. Yeah, exactly. It, it, that's just, it's, it's not an, a made up scenario. It's very realistic no. at this point. Oh, it's, it's tough. And in terms of the employment, uh, we, So before all this happened, we were getting really excited about enhancing some of our services. First of all, we have 19,000 individual employers that hire JAG students every year. So the relationships are real. Awesome. Yeah. 
And a lot of that is at the very local level in communities because specialists are identifying what students are interested in, their aptitudes, and then they're making those plugins for the students so they can see what it is really like a day in the life of. And with, you know, everyone talking about 21st century skill sets, which I'm like, we're already 20% into the 21st century. So <laughs> maybe we should be talking about 22nd. I don't know. But we're here now. Yes. <laughs> um, so we are providing this um, framework and we were getting really deep into it before COVID hit. And now it's even more relevant. But essentially, we are, we are really interested in taking some of those very specific skill sets um, that, you know, certifications, credentials that are industry recognized, and because we work in project-based learning, starting to plug those into projects. So you're not only learning these soft skills, but if you have an opportunity in your community in advanced manufacturing, and you want to enter an apprenticeship, then how can we create these apprenticeships by plugging in the certifications? So our students are leaving school not only with their certificate of mastery for these soft skills that JAG teaches, but also... Um, maybe they're a certified EMT, or maybe they're um, entering or they're in a pre-apprenticeship in welding, which is an example of something we have in Iowa. And then partnering with the local community colleges and the employers, so they're all a part of that process. So it's a very pie-in-the-sky idea, but we've also had these very successful examples of it at the state and local level. So we're really providing that framework, not only for our affiliates and our specialists, but also for our employer partners increasingly so that they can jump in with their very specific content and we can layer that into our classrooms. And then if you add in the engagement aspects, it, you know, creates this really. So this is very relevant at this end, um, at least for myself, and I think it will be for a lot of employers. Um, we are working with an organization, I'll give you a, a just a, an example that we have um, Lancaster works and we, it's a community works partnership. And we just got done discussing apprenticeships and pre-apprenticeships. And I will speak for myself when I say I had no idea that there were so many types that were offered. Yeah. That I think when folks think apprenticeship, they think kind of an antiquated viewpoint of, you know, like, Oh, I have to be, you know, a plumber. Or I have to do, you know, it's construction. And I know a lot are construction based, but I'm talking machine operators, forklift operators, but the key to it, which I also didn't get until they explained it was, you know, the involvement, not just from the schools, but as an employer, you can sponsor and, and help sponsor some of these programs, mm -hmm. which, you know, and I'm sure they could partner with JAG on this as well, where it's, it really lays out a path, you know, for, I think, a great opportunity. And mm -hmm. part of it, I mean, and this was, again, this was state of Pennsylvania, but I, they owed over 1,500. I'm like, what are you talking about? Yeah. I'm like, 1,500 opportunities for this. And I think it, we were thinking of micro, but with this community works project, we want to go bigger, but we want to get community partners and other employers involved. Uh, because as a staffing organization, we get the question a lot, do you have trained machine operators yeah. Yeah. but it could be very specific you know if there's a specific type of machinery and you're like well if we don't have them now like yes we can do a pre-apprenticeship with along with an apprenticeship and we just need to use the resources that are out there already but I think just aren't understood yeah. so if I was an employer right now another employer what would you tell us to do to get involved because I know that you have a big footprint 
but I'm assuming you want a larger footprint and then increase the size of the footprints that you have locally. And I know it's a lot of local assistance is needed. Yeah, yeah. Our president always says there are two types of states, those that have JAG and those that will. So <laughs> yes. we know that now more than ever, and that's, you know, the phrase of, one of the phrases of 2020, but the young people that we work with, it couldn't be a more critical time. So I would say, you know, check out our website, www.jag.org, J-A-G.org. Email me directly, janelle.duray at jag.org, J-A-N-E-L-L-E dot D-U-R-A-Y. It'll probably put it in the notes. Yeah, we'll put it in the notes too. (laughs) And um, take, yeah, cruise around our website a little bit, learn a little bit more about us. There's some examples of how we've worked with employers and, if it seems like a fit, whether you are looking for great talent or you believe in the mission and would like to support. I mean, we, we are industry agnostic and our partnerships look a little bit different based on who we work with to be sure that we, you know, number one, are aligned in our goals and values. But then number two, uh, how are we both um, getting something out of this in terms of supporting our communities, supporting the development of the next talent pipeline, and creating opportunities that young people can really thrive in. And, you know, ultimately for me, it's breaking cycles of poverty and, and helping young people get that opportunity. And I also think that uh, as we continue down this path and, you know, based on results that employers are going to be more open to age requirements and what those possibilities are. Mm-hmm. Um, so I also think the relevancy of this now, because uh, I, I think a lot of folks may think, oh, well, if, you know, they're not of a certain 18 years old, or we can't do this, or can't do that. Uh, and that's not always the case, you know, and especially if you're looking into specialized programs, mm-hmm. um, I think there's a lot more open doors than people necessarily think. Yeah, and I would just challenge, and I know it's not easy, right, but challenge employers to solve for those um, those opportunities as they can, because, you know, if we, if someone goes to school their entire K through 12 life, and then maybe they go on to post-secondary education and then they get their first job. We all, we all know that, that there's a much better opportunity to provide that exposure and, and learning while they're still in high school. And then you will have a much more well-rounded employee um, that, it's better for them, it's better for the employer in the long term. So the, the earlier we can, at least, we do the exposure part, we'll take care of that. We will teach those soft skills, but if employers can provide the opportunity for that real world experience while they're still in high school, then I think that they'll be very impressed with um, an 18 year old JAG student who is ready to work. I think we're saying plant the seed earlier. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, because yeah. I, I think the pendulum kind of swung back, you know, and swung the other way, but needs to swing back a little bit more. Just you're right from an exposure standpoint, because there are a plethora of really good positions that I think if employers reached a little bit, you know, a little bit deeper, they would be able to understand what a benefit it would be. And, and not just, I mean, cl- and not just to them, but clearly for the exposure to what they could do for, to affect, to affect someone's life in total and yeah. therefore families and the cascading benefits and just the change in 
thought process. There's so many. You're like, yeah. I'm preaching to the choir. And I know. I, <laughs> I know. Of, you know, when you, to the extent that you can share the vision of where an industry going is going or the company is going, I, young people want to be a part of something that's going to make positive change. You know, they, they not only want to make money, which I know millennials, it's all, you get the story of, well, it's not just about money for millennials. They're really interested in, you know, how they, what they're doing matters. But when you get to Gen Z, the money does matter. They have grown up with the gig economy. They've seen YouTube stars. They, you know, they've seen mm-hmm. people to rich very quickly. And Gen Z is more about, I'm going to make money and I'll contract like crazy to do it. Or, and I also want to make sure I have a positive impact. So when you share your company's vision and the potential of where you're going, whether it's sustainability, whether it's diversity, equity, and inclusion, whatever it may be, share that with the next generation because they will probably be listening closer than you would think. So one of our company's core values is learn it here, use it there. And I think that also folks need to understand that we're building a culture of this isn't your 10, 15, 20 year, 10 year type of culture anymore because of the gig economy. Mm -hmm. Uh, But we're really trying to create where it's also just upskilling or credentialing, either which way you think about it, but that they can take somewhere else if that's the career path or trajectory of where they wanted to head. Mm -hmm. So it's, it doesn't have to be considered a negative anymore as a stopping point. I think actually for Gen Z, it's considered a positive. And like you said, they want to be part of something and affect change. Uh, And so I think how important it would be for employers that are thinking about this to come with what your vision may be. And if you don't have a clear cut vision, then maybe think about that, you know, and, and, and what that could be, because really this is, could have a huge impact on young people's lives. Yeah. Or maybe ask Gen Z, if you don't have that vision, ask them what they're looking for. Ask them what it is then. You're right. So, all right. Well, Janelle, I can't thank you enough for being here. That's a wonderful amount of information. And I want folks to leave with JAG. We will have the website. We will put your email in the podcast notes. But um, in a brief amount of time, I really think that um, you shared an impactful message. And I can't say enough great things about JAG. We love working with you guys. We appreciate our partnership so much. Um, I know that you all are serving on the board from Jobs for Delaware graduates. We've engaged in multiple other states. And thank you for everything that you do. It's not just, you know, we like what you do. You're, you're, the employees of Integrity Staffing that we work with really are passionate about our mission and our young people. So thank you. And I look forward to finding other ways that we can work together and expanding to other states. Of course. Now we just need other people to be as passionate. So everyone yeah. listening, remember, jag.com. Yes. <laughs> All right. Thanks so much. All right. Thanks, Megan. Take care. Thanks for listening to this episode of HR Liftoff. At Integrity, we believe opportunity is everything. We take an associate-first approach because when our associates succeed, our clients succeed. Whatever you need, we're ready to support. We partner with clients large and small to deliver custom staffing solutions that provide the cost, service, and scalability efficiencies you need to stay competitive. Learn more at integritystaffing.com.